Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We're so glad you're here with us. And today's conversation is called Race, America, Faith. Enjoy. Um, today's question, we're just going to start off super light before we get started. And it is this. What are your thoughts on race in America? All right. Enjoy. We'll see you in a few. So um, this morning, like Corey said, we decided to have a conversation about race in America. If you have been anywhere around news or social media or literally anywhere, uh, you know that the past few weeks have been rough. Um, It's been a tough time. Specifically, uh, we've seen and um, experienced more unarmed um, black people being killed being murdered for everything from running to sleeping in their bed. We have Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. Um, And so it's just, it's been a tough couple of weeks. It's been heavy. Um, And we knew we had to have a conversation about this. This isn't the first conversation we've had. Uh, We don't only have this conversation when something like this happens, uh, but we are certainly going to have it today. And so um, I was reading something, one author this week, and... They said it like this, that being black in America is like sleeping on the back of a tiger. Um, That you are always sort of in danger and then you have this moment where sort of like the tiger wakes up and you're like, oh yes, I'm sleeping on the back of a tiger. Um, And that's what it's felt like. That's what it's felt like for me. Um, Like Ta-Nehisi Coates says, the violence isn't new, it's the the cameras that are new. And so um, personally... I've had a really tough few weeks, uh, namely because, like Corey said, um, both of us actually, we started running like r- sort of at the beginning of quarantine and have gone on these journeys and uh, watching someone um, being murdered for going for a jog has just um, been really hard as that's something that I have incorporated in my life and being reminded of that threat that we are sleeping on the back of a tiger, being reminded that it's a dangerous thing to be black in America. And that has been true ever since there have been black people in America and it remains true today. Um, And so in in those initial sort of moments and weeks, I remember I was, I had this this experience which was wild. So, I got back from a run the fir- after the first day I had heard about Ahmad Arbery and um, Sammy was laying on the couch and I was just weeping by the end of the run. And I got home and I just curled up like with my head on Sammy's lap and I was just crying and I was crying and I was crying and um, I stopped and I had this like awful deja vu moment because we've had that same couch, that same setup for like five years. And I was like, how many times have we had this exact scenario? I cried here for Trayvon Martin. I cried here for Sandra Bland. I cried here for Eric Gardner. I cried here for Freddie Gray. I cried here for Michael Brown. I cried here, I'm gonna cry for Breonna Taylor in just a few days and I don't even know it. Like how many times we're gonna go through this exact scenario? And um, and that's sort of what the, the past few weeks have felt like is just, that tiger has woken up and we are yet again reminded. So um, the conversation I want to have today and kind of what prompted it was um, 
I was talking to Corey and talking to friends and on social media about just what it felt like to see my white friends, like the, the anger and the frustration I felt seeing my white friends post so many things on social media, not because that's bad and social media has certainly helped bring justice in these ways and it's important to say people's names, but feeling like watching these people like post on social media and being like, did my job did my work, like that's the thing I do for, for this cause and just feeling like, man, we're, we're literally being killed and murdered and we're getting like tweets and um, just wrestling with that. Yeah, I think part of the conversation for, for Brittany and I always in this is recognizing the places that we all come from, that we all come from a vantage point, we all come from a reality of what is, and that reality is diverse all the time in different ways. Who you are is, is who you are. You can't change that. There's components of who you are, even just physically or externally, that shape the way that you operate in the world or the way that the world sees you and where you're at. And we're not blind to the fact, right? Uh, you're a gay black woman and I'm a straight white male. And so much of my experience uh, in this world is of power and privilege. Um, and so how do we have this, this particular conversation where I experience power and privilege in a place like the United States as a white male? Um, and how do we have this conversation honestly as a black woman? Um, and how do those things go together? That's part of the beauty of what we believe about New Abbey. We don't need to pretend that's not the case or pretend that um, I need to showcase my suffering in this moment. Um, and we talk about this all the time, like oppression Olympics, that people wanna do that. Uh, but that's not, that's not the goal here. In this particular conversation, I experience this reality in a different way. I jog every day and have zero fear for my life. But I also have an important part to play that power and privilege in this conversation represents advocacy, uh, represents being an ally. Um, what does that actually mean between, besides putting things online or calling a friend for comfort or care? Or we've had honest conversations of, you know, how many times people call you and then, and this is true of so many marginalized communities, it's like, help me feel better about this now as the white privileged person. Right, yeah. and, and that's what we were just talking about is, this is a conversation that I care about deeply um, that not every black person does or has to or needs to be some kind of advocate. And on most random Tuesdays or Thursdays, I'm down for a conversation about race. Corey and I have had this conversation so many times, I enjoy it, but, it's, it's frustrating and it's upsetting and it's like exhausting when something like this happens. And yeah, I get a phone call. It's like, oh, what can I do? I'm like, I don't know, Google it. Like I'm literally crying on the couch because I just was scrolling social media and saw a video of like a black man being murdered. Like how many times have you seen that on social media? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those, we wanna have the conversation that's gonna lead towards how do we, in whatever body you embody, move and feel that call to action for what that means for you and not, again, putting it on sort of the people who are experiencing this. Yeah, and, and part of what we want to do always as a community is we want to engage in the conversation, but it's a long conversation. Something that's not going to happen today is that we're going to solve race in America. Uh, but can we pivot forward one one inch, one centimeter, one uh, little bit forward. And that happens together and not separately. Uh, and we don't ever wanna play church. I think something that I'm so remiss about in the world of church overall is that we'll talk about all these spiritual lofty things, but we can't name the realities and the hurt and the pain that's actually going on in people's lives. This is not something that we, we pray away. Uh, when we see so many different shootings or you know, and we want gun laws revoked, or we're talking about systemic racism, uh, it just doesn't get prayed away. 
Uh, it's something where we have to engage with one another in a conversation that's probably gonna last all of our lifetimes and we have to engage it from our point of view. Uh, and so with that, uh, I wanna read a passage from Amos chapter five that speaks to justice and injustice and uh, what God thinks about how we participate in righteousness or what's right in this world. So follow along with me in Amos five. Woe to you who turn justice to vinegar and stomp righteousness into the mud. Do you realize where you are? You're in a cosmos star flung with constellations by God, a world God wakes up each morning and puts to bed each night. God dips water from the ocean and gives the land a drink. God, God revealed, does all this. And God can destroy it as easily as God makes it. God can turn this vast wonder into total waste. People hate this kind of talk. Raw truth is never popular, but here it is. Bluntly, sp bluntly spoken, because you run roughshod over the poor and take the bread right out of their mouths, you're never going to move into the luxury homes you have built. You're never going to drink wine from the expensive vineyards you've planted. I know precisely the extent of your violations, the enormity of your sins, appalling. You bully right living people, taking bribes right and left and kicking the poor when they're down. Justice is a lost cause. Evil is epidemic. Decent people throw up their hands. Protest and rebuke are useless, a waste of breath. Seek good and not evil and live. You talk about God, the God of angels' armies being your best friend. Well, live like it and maybe it will happen. Hate evil and love good. Then work it out in the public square. Maybe God, the God of the angel armies will notice your remnant and be gracious. Now again, God's message. God, God of the angels' armies, go into your streets and lament loudly. Fill the malls and shops with cries of doom, weep loudly. Not me, not us, not now. Empty offices, stores, factories, workplaces, enlist everyone in the general lament. I want to hear it loud and clear when I make my visit, God's decree. Time to face hard reality, not fantasy. Woe to all you who want God's judgment day. Why would you want to see God, want God to come? When God comes, it will be bad news before it's good news. The worst of times, not the best of times. Here's what it's like. A man runs from a lion right into the jaws of a bear. At God's coming, we face hard reality, not fantasy, a black cloud with no silver lining. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions, and I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I mean, those are incredibly powerful words from scripture. And I think what's powerful about them is that so many of us grew up in this evangelical world where when we talked about God's judgment or God's wrath or God's anger, these, these words that we use, it was always in some random form of morality if you were able to keep up with it. But the prophets cry out, not about some random morality, but about what are you doing with your power and privilege? Where's justice in your land? How are you caring for the marginalized, for the poor, for those don't have, that don't have anything? How are you not playing religious church games where you come and sing loud songs and feel better about yourselves, but you don't actually participate in the wrongdoings of the world? 
Uh, and I think it's harsh for a reason. Um, and part of that reason is innocent people are losing their lives. Innocent people are dying for no good reason. And there's moments that we need to be shaken in that reality. Yeah, I think something that is, like something that's difficult about it is particularly being American and having these ideas of like wanting to be able to do something and then see it like completed and it happen fast. And like, I want to just, I don't want to like make a tortilla and make all the things and then make a burrito. I want to put a burrito in the microwave kind of thing. And the reality is that like literally by the time Jesus was crucified, Jesus like came and was like, justice for people and let's do this. And what if I talk to this woman? And what if there is no in or out? And what if everyone's invited to the table? And what if all of these things and then was crucified? And that still wasn't the reality for most of the world. And Martin Luther King Jr. came and was like, what if little black kids and white kids could play together? And what if we saw black people as human and all of these things and then was murdered in Memphis and that still wasn't a reality. And then Bayard Rustin was killed and Medgar Evers was shot in his driveway and Fannie Lou Hamer and all of these people who did all of these things. And by the time that their life was taken because of it, we had still not arrived. And I think there's a hesitation, even in myself sometimes of like, I'm probably going to fight for these things until my life is done here on this earth and it will not have arrived. And can I participate in that long of a conversation? Those words, those incredible words, right? By the time he died, those were not, those were not true. But can you still give your life to something even if you know that you may not be there at the point of arrival? And I think that's really hard because you're just always going to be living in that tension. But that's, that's reality of life, right? Yeah, and we talk about it all the time. I, I remember uh, at the end of last year, I was having a dinner with a bunch of people um, from New Abbey and someone asked me like, hey, what's your vision for New Abbey going forward? And I gave some long answer, long-winded, of course, uh, for like 15 minutes. And then like 10 minutes later, I came back and I said, let me give you the real answer. My, my vision for New Abbey is that this is the place that I wanna raise my kids. That I don't believe that somehow necessarily that we're gonna find the answer to racism in America or to a lot of other systemic issues. But I do believe that in this community, my children will experience a level of diversity where they will see other human beings as made in the image of God. And that will be a way in which we will all participate in the healing of the world because it's a long conversation. We, we, you know, we say this all the time, we use this phrase before of words, actions, and rhythms that so many of us start with words. It's true when we talk about working out, you, you, know, you start from some place of, um, right, uh, I don't feel comfortable in my clothes or you know, it was the holidays, I ate too much or I drank too much and you have some words of maybe I'm gonna start running. Well, it takes six months from you thinking about that till you actually move towards an action. And then you sign up for a 5K or you finally get those pair of running shoes uh, and you go run for a little bit, but it takes a while before you have the rhythms of being a runner. And I think so often in these larger conversations of like systemic racism in the United States that has been happening for over 400 years, uh, yeah, sure, start with some words, but post some stuff on the internet, get, get engaged in the conversation, take some actions, um, go read a book, uh, sign up for a Black Lives uh, Matter event, but there's a long journey for us participating in the rhythms of what it means uh, to, to be a part of justice and reconciliation when it comes uh, to racism. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the hard, or that's the tricky part, right? Is, um, and this is what I feel sometimes when something happens and then people will call me and say, what can I do? 
Like, what can I do? What can I do to like ease this feeling that I feel right now? What, what can I do? Then it will make me feel like I've done my part and I can sort of like move on to the next conversation. When the reality is what you can do is realize that we are going to be participating in this and we will see change and we will see progress and we will see the same old stuff and we will see tragedy and we will see heartbreak. And that is the rhythm and the action that we're engaging in. That's the conversation. It's not, all right, if you do these four things, then you never have to worry about this again. Your privilege is solved. My oppression, we're done. And then we made it, right? When the reality is like, oh, we're going to, we're just going to keep going. Like the, that night, Sammy and I were like, what we need to do right now more than anything is watch the Michelle Obama documentary on Netflix. Like that is gonna, the one thing that's going to bring some peace to my soul because it is a reminder that although all of these people who have participated in this long conversation that has not come to reality, we have seen moments where we do see change and we do see these things happening. That doesn't mean that everything's solved. That doesn't mean that we need to stop fighting, but it's the reality of like, although the, more, the arc of the moral universe is long, it does bend towards justice. And how do we hold that tension while realizing like, yeah, you're gonna have to build in like a rhythm of doing this, right? And I think part of that is we recognize that you come from all kinds of different angles in this conversation. Uh, some of the angles that you come from, again, are just where, where, who are you and where are you at? Where do you start in this life? Uh, I'm a straight white man. You're gay black women. That's just real. It impacts the way that we move through the world in different ways. Um, how do you be honest about that? How do you engage in the conversation with that? Uh, we're a faith community. And I believe so much in the power of church. I believe that there are very few places in our society where we get to honestly have these conversations. Sadly enough, the church has not had these conversations over the years, or they pretend like it doesn't happen from Sunday to Sunday, but that's not who New Abbey is. Uh, we've always been willing to engage here, but one of the angles that you have to address as well is, where do we think that God is at in all of this? Uh, uh, such a, a big conversation uh, that we're trying to get across every week when we think about God is helping people remove toxic theology, uh, remove uh, views of God that aren't helpful. And I think an old school view of God that many of us had was, was retributive. Retributive is just this fancy word. We were joking about it this week. Like, how does retributive mean? It's like, you know, like shanking somebody. <laughs> like you, there are these moments where so many of us have moved into this larger, inclusive view of God where we're like, nah, I don't believe in some God who just wants to torment all of humanity in hell for all of eternity. That's a very weird God who is looking to do that. And yet in moments like this, we're like, God, we want to see those guys punished so badly for what they did. And I think the beauty of scripture, the beauty of faith is that you have these moments to say, I absolutely want that. I absolutely want them to experience some level of pain that they put in the world. And yet that's not the whole view of scripture. That's not the whole view of faith that we move from retributive to restorative. That what we believe about justice with Jesus is that the ultimate example that Jesus shows in the world is that on the cross, experiencing all of the retribution, all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the violence, all of the systems, that Jesus doesn't take that hurt and take that pain and put it back out on other people. That Jesus goes through that suffering and Jesus transforms it and that's how we get resurrection, which are like super big lofty words to say. But I think on a practical level are things that we talk about in honest ways all the time. That's, maybe we're not there, maybe we really want someone to be hurt because we were hurt, 
but I don't think it's where we end. Yeah, and, and I think the... So this is a conversation I have all the time with myself, with my wife, with you, um, is that I don't think this is like a fluid process. Like, or not not fluid process, solid process? It's not black and white. It's not black and white. Yeah. yeah, anything but. Yeah. Um, however, I think you're right. Like I, I think when we were in our series in Exodus, like it was astonishing to me how many times in there it said, remember you were slaves in Egypt. Because the easiest thing to do, we say this all the time, is hurt people in the same way that you've been hurt. So it's easy to think like, man, just wait till black people are in charge. I'll show you. You know what I mean? Like there's a part of me that's like, all right, this is, this is, what, this is what the fuck you want. Like let's do it then. Like, and I get into that mode and I know that that's not the goal of where I want to be, right? And it's okay to be honest that I am there sometimes, but I know that's not where we want to be. And the sad reality and the hard reality of life is whoever has the more maturity, whoever has more maturity is the one that has more responsibility in the world and in these conversations. That I get to say, okay, no, Knowing what it feels like to experience this, ultimately what I want in the world more than anything is no one to experience this. And that should change the way I engage with this work. It's not always the thing at the forefront of my mind, but it's the thing that I want at the forefront of my mind. And I think that's a, like, I don't know, I think that's just okay, right? The part of the, well, I mean, it fits with the mission statement of New Abbey where a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles in 2020. Um, now that we're live stream, I guess we should say the world or something like that. Cause there's more people joining in from other places. Uh, but there's realities that are true that are shifting in 2020. Uh, but the second part of it is, uh, this reality of an imperfect process that we tell the biggest story of God in Los Angeles in 2020, leading to healing, transformation, and maturity that we start with healing because we all need it. We need someone to empathize, to care, to understand our experience, to, post about it, to say their name, to, there's all kinds of different components that we heal together. Uh, we want transformation saying that we have to go somewhere with that healing, wherever it is that we're experiencing suffering. Um, and we want to see it become something new, something else. But then that's really, again, it goes back to the deconstruction thing where you're asking all of these lofty ideas about God and your faith. And then you go through a pandemic. And what did that matter when you're sitting at home alone in your apartment for six weeks? that we can say all these lofty, th lofty things about racism and systemic issues within our country. And then somebody gets shot multiple times by police officers lying in their bed. And you're like, what do I even do, do with that? Yeah. There's this, um, I was just telling Corey this, this a sociologist developed this theory that was really helpful to me early on in my journey of understanding, you know, what it meant to to be in this body in America. And um, it's like these different stages of racial and ethnic identity development. And the first one was like us versus them. And then the last one moved to something more of like interdependence. And I would say that most, a lot of times in my life, I feel in this area of like interdependence, like my wife is white and you know, my family now and you and all these people in my life. And, and that's what I want to work towards is this interdependence reality where we can work these things out together and reconciliation. Um, but these are fluid. And so while I'm there and I want to be there a lot of the time, I watch someone on social media get murdered for jogging and I go back to us versus them. And then I need to work my way back. 
and something will happen and I'll, maybe I'll go back to the middle or maybe I'll go back one or maybe I'll do these things too. And I think that's so much of our journey is like you don't experience healing and then you're like healing, check, transformation, check. Now I just live full time in maturity. It's like, no, you can feel that. And then your mom makes like a petty comment and you're like, whoop, <laughs> you know, back to healing. Like you can be going through these things and that's the conversation that we get to participate in at New Abbey is what we are striving for is interdependence, that this community that you engage with, our friendship, our like network, this community of people should fundamentally change the way you experience the world and your life. And you are going to have moments that are gonna push you back to where you feel like it's us versus them. And you are going to have moments where you feel like all the healing and all the therapy you did were maybe worth nothing. And you're going to have moments where it feels good. We're not saying let's check these boxes and arrive at a place where we are just mature and interdependent human beings and we have like ascended, right? And that's where we want to end the conversation. That honestly, we felt the tension of it talking about all week and even this morning of how do we, how do we land this thing? Where do we go with this thing? And we finally just like said, we don't. We have the conversation. We're having a conversation for the sake of the conversation and then believing that it will move towards action, believing that it will move towards rhythms, believing that our children's will experience a better reality than we're in now. It's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be long. I don't say that in any trite way or that that's easy, particularly when real people are losing their lives, but this is part of the work. Yeah, and I think it's, it's worth noting that everyone gets to start at a different place. Like if you are actively engaging in these conversations, keep engaging. If you are, you know, doing marches and rallies, if you are at, you know, calling governors, if you are doing whatever, like do it. If you have no place to start and you just go today and Google great books for white people to read about race, take that step. Like there's no, we're not going to get up here and say, these are the five things you need to do. This is how it's going to end. Like wherever you start on this journey, start um, and know that it's not going to end, right? And that's just, that's a part of it. And so that's where we want to end uh, before we go to conversation time is that realization of interdependence that you are where you are in this conversation, um, but you also have an opportunity to grow and to move forward. And wherever you find yourself, take one step in that direction towards healing or transformation or maturity or wherever you find yourself um, and rely upon this beautiful, diverse community that we have for interdependence, to grow your experience, to grow yourself in conversations and practices and rhythms that will help heal the world. We need God. I think that's a part that we should always say, we need something beyond ourselves for justice and for righteousness to be a part of our lives moving forward. We cannot figure this out on our own. We need something beyond it. And so wherever you find yourself today, that's where you begin the conversation, but the conversation does not end here. So you're gonna get back into your Zoom groups with one another and you're gonna answer this question. What's one step you can take today to move yourself forward in this long conversation? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.